When FDR said many years ago, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, sometimes I think he was forgetting about spiders. You may have your own items to add on there as well. But sure, we have fear to fear, but there are also so many other dangerous things in the world. And we have almost a whole culture of fear. Well, John, uh, in writing his letter, tells us why we don't fear. Not as Christians. Why we shouldn't fear. And how we can overcome it. And here it is. This is John, 1 John 4, uh, starting in verse 16, going through 21. It says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. You probably already noticed that there are two words that really keep repeating through this whole section. One is fear. The other is love. Good. Paying attention. We caught this already. The problem is, usually we don't catch that. Because usually, if we have an emotional response to fear and to love... Fear wins out, and we kind of don't even notice that there was love there. John says it should be the opposite as Christians, that actually it's the love that should drive out the fear entirely from our lives. Well, where does this whole thing get started anyway? If you go all the way back to Genesis, back to the Garden of Eden, it's the first time we have fear mentioned. Did you know that? The Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. So what happened right there at the beginning? Adam and Eve did wrong. They didn't trust God. They weren't living in his love. And the result? Fear. They were afraid of God, and they ushered in a dangerous world with lots of other things to be afraid of as well. So before the fall, no fear. But after the fall, we see not only this whole culture of fear that we are so comfortable in ourselves, but the one that the angels keep having to break into, and every time they show up, what is the first thing they say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And of course, it's not just that they were experiencing general fear, and so they said, hey, don't be afraid. It's, everything's going to be fine. But it's when the angel shows up, you, oh no, this is it. Heaven is breaking in. I'm now in the presence of God. I'm going to die. Right? This is what uh, Peter experienced when he's on the boat with Jesus. 
And Jesus says, throw your nets over the side. And he says, you know, we've done that. We're not catching anything tonight. He says, but because you say it, I'll, I'll do it. I'll humor you. And then they get so many fish. It's like the, the jackpot of all jackpots. They haul in so many fish, it's about to sink their boat. They have to call another boat over. It's about to sink both the boats. This is the best day they've ever had. And Peter's response is not, hallelujah, praise God, my ship has come in. Instead, he falls down before Jesus and says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And he's experiencing fear in the face of the holy because he knows he's not. And he knows that what he deserves for sin is death. And so there's this fear of judgment and of condemnation. This is what Adam was experiencing. This is what Peter was experiencing. And this is what John tells us we don't have to experience. When we really believe that God loves us, it drives out that fear. The fear that has to do with punishment. Think of it this way. If you really believe that someone has your absolute best interest at heart, even if you were to be going through some difficulty with them, you know that you could trust them completely, love them completely, that they love you completely. You don't have to be afraid of it, no matter how hard it is. We talk about things like, you know, the doctors have your best interest in heart, and you'll lay down and go under the knife. If you really believe that they are cutting you to heal and not to hurt. So many times we come into the presence of God. And even if it starts to hurt a little bit, we start squirming. Say, no, 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 I didn't think it was going to be like that. It's going to be all, you know, cuddles and puppies. No, no, no. I'm here to heal. But if we really trust him, if we really believe that he loves us, it drives out the fear. Another illustration here. I mentioned we kind of live in a um, this whole environment of fear now. Kind of like the air we breathe. And everywhere you turn, you can see not only fear taking place, but also being stoked and encouraged by those around us. Have you noticed that? How often people will try to get other people more afraid, just so it will serve their purposes? That is horrible. But if you imagine this as a jar right now full of air, the air of fear, and you say, but I want to get all that out of there. Because we've, there, there's another group in our society that says fear is bad, and we need to get rid of fear. The answers, though, don't usually help. It's just, oh, well, don't be afraid. Thanks. It's not very helpful. And so it's kind of like taking the jar that's full of air, the air of fear, and going, you know, dumping it upside down. Well, there, now, it's, now it should be empty. No more fear in there. Oh, wait, there still is fear in there. It's all in there. And so you try something else. You try another technique where you kind of scoop it out, or you try to blow really hard, try to get it all out of there, but it's still in there. You know, it's said that nature abhors a vacuum, right? And so even if you were able to suck it all out, as soon as there's the slightest opening, it rushes all right back in. And that's what it's like in our hearts when we have fear that comes from a lack of trusting in God 
and believing in his love for us. But here's the thing. John has spent the whole letter basically telling us about how much God loves us. How, and it all comes back to the person of Jesus Christ. That God sent his only son, who came into the world, which is suffering enough, but who then went all the way to the cross and died for us. And the more that we meditate on who Jesus is and what he's done for us, the more we can come to believe, really, deeply believe in the love that God has for us. We fill ourselves with his love, and the fear is pushed out. Not because, oh, people in the carpet get nervous. The fear is pushed out, not because we were able to suck it out, but because there's no room for it in a heart that's full of the love of God. Now, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I don't have anywhere to put this now. I'll put it right here. Keep seeing it. Oh, I spilled it. <laughs> Somebody wants to get a paper towel, that'd be lovely. Um... So we fill our hearts with the love of God. As we meditate on Jesus, we see this. And as it tells us then, we will overflow with this love for others. However, as soon as we start to love others out of the love that we have in Jesus, there's a part of us that says, don't do it. Not only do we have the, uh, the accuser that says... God couldn't love you, and he wouldn't ever do anything for you, and that's why you shouldn't trust him to begin with. We get rid of that. We focus on the cross, and we say, oh, yes, he does. But then there's the other side that says, don't don't start loving others. You will run out, and you will get hurt again. In fact, here's how um, C.S. Lewis puts it in The Four Loves. He says, there is no safe investment to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly possibly broken. You know, if you have lived and loved at all, that this is true. He continues. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But, in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. This concludes, the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. When we try to rid our lives of not only fear, but of all the causes to fear, it can easily lead us to react by ceasing to love, by hardening our hearts against anything that could hurt them. And ironically, that's the only thing that can hurt us the worst. We have to love. But we can do so 
knowing that as much as it may hurt us, we're still okay. Because we already have the love of Christ, and there's nothing that can separate us from that. As bad as all the things are that we fear in this world, as bad as all the hurts that we may experience, there's nothing. In fact, Paul says, Romans 8, this is where we're going to finish. Paul says in Romans 8, I, can, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be, will be revealed in us. At the end of the chapter, he says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. May we be so filled with this love we have nothing to fear not even fear itself but that we would live out of his love in his love and be his love to the world in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen